One day Jesus was uh, being watched by his followers, and Jesus was just sitting there very still, very silent, uh, because he was praying. And they, uh, the, the followers wanted to know, you know what was going on, what was Jesus doing, how was this working? And so in, uh, we have recorded in the Bible, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, G, uh, his followers said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John's followers taught, him to pray, uh, taught them to pray. See, these, these followers of Jesus have been hanging out with him for a while. They could see that Jesus was different. There was something about Jesus that was different. And when he prayed, things happened. When he laid his hands on sick people, the sick people got well. When he rebuked demons, things of darkness, those things of darkness left people's lives and the lives were radically transformed. So why was Jesus so effective when we're not, they were asking. I don't know if you ever asked that question as well. How come when Jesus did it, it seemed so easy, so natural, so straightforward, and then we come a, across a situation and we pray and we pray and we pray and nothing seems to happen and we, sometimes we get some fantastic answers, but sometimes we don't. You know, what's going on? What can we learn? Well, the disciples realized they had some things they needed to learn from Jesus. Now, Jesus had already said to them, and we, we looked at this verse last week, uh, Jesus said, I tell you for certain that the Son referring to himself, cannot do anything on his own. He can do only what he sees the Father doing, and he does exactly what he sees the Father do. The Father loves the Son and has shown him everything he does. The Father will show him even greater things, and you will be amazed. And when you read the stories about Jesus, and if you haven't done so, I highly recommend it. Just find a modern translation of the Bible. In fact, we've got some at the back. Uh, somewhere, um, and we'd love to give you one if you don't have one, and just read the stories about Jesus, and you will be amazed at who he was and what he did. And uh, Jesus was incredibly effective. For example, in Mark chapter 6, verse 56, we're told that all who touched him were healed. And these healings were verified by eyewitnesses. People saw what was happening. There's a uh, a group of uh, Christian medics who are verifying healings today. And uh, they're um, checking them all through. They're looking at the x-rays. They're finding out what's going on. And they're finding that Jesus still does it. Jesus still heals people. And uh, these uh, are often verifiable from a medical point of view. Jesus Cast out demons, incurable diseases were healed instantly, storms were stilled, food was multiplied, water was turned into wine, what a fantastic one. Uh, his teaching was authoritative and relevant and it really touched people's hearts and people were set free. What a wonderful thing. And Jesus' secret we've already read but I'm going to read it it comes somewhere else. It comes in John chapter 8, verse 28. Jesus said, I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. So, exactly the same thing, isn't it? Jesus repeating this again 
Um, it's not something that, you know, Jesus, a passing comment Jesus made once. This is something that he really wanted his followers to gather because this is the key to being effective in healing the sick, in running a business, in seeing society transformed, whatever we're doing. And so uh, I think I said last week, some days I'm sit, I sit down and I say, God, what do, you, what do you want to do today? What are the things that I need to be aware of? And uh, one morning he said, you need to order some vitamin C and some sodium metabisulfite because that's what you need to get in. And uh, if you don't order it today, it's going to be too late. So God helps us with the little details of life. And uh, it's really helpful. I highly recommend it. See, this wasn't just a one-off exercise that Jesus did, but something that it was regular, daily, hourly, as he went through life, listening to what the Father was saying, getting direction from him. And so I want to talk this morning about the importance of listening as we pray. It's very easy for our prayer times to just be a list of the things that we want God to do. And whether you have faith in Jesus or not, you know, I think everybody, even atheists, pray sometimes. Um, but we suddenly expect God, you know, you have no relationship with God, you've completely ignored him, and then suddenly you expect him to answer your prayer, which doesn't always work so well. But prayer is meant to be about relationship, and we'll see that as we look through this. Um, Jesus wasn't just a list of, you know, Heavenly Father, I need you to do this, 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 and this today. It, was, it, it certainly included that, but it was about listening. It was about relationship. It was, here's this situation. What do I need to know about it? What do I need to do about it? And is there anything else that I'm not aware of that you are that I need to know about today? So look how Jesus prayed. We've got this in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out onto a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them whom he designated apostles. So he's picking his team. Big decision to be made, so he spent a long time praying, asking the Father, who are the right people? And he carried on praying until he got it clear in his mind, these are the right people, this is what I want you to do. And then he selected them, called them to him. So prayer and action. Before the crucifixion, Jesus needed to be sure that he was about to do the right thing. You know, you don't want to go through hell, die the most painful death that anyone has ever had, and take the punishment for everyone in the whole world for no reason. He wanted to make sure that he was doing the right thing. And so we have in Matthew 27, verse 39, Jesus fell with his, with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Is it possible for there to be another route, or do I need to do this? He's seeking the father. Is there another way? If not, I'll do exactly what you want. Jesus wrestled in prayer, and then verse 42, we're told, he went away a second time, and he prayed, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. So the first time, uh, it's 
Is it possible the second time if it's not possible? So he's gradually working his way through this and getting more and more certainty that uh, he's going in the right direction and that this is the only way for this to be done. We're not told the exact wording of what Jesus used the third time, but by the end of that third bout of praying and seeking the Father, he was absolutely certain that he had to die on the cross, that there was no other way. And so he went forward with confidence. Because prayer is spiritual conversation. It's finding out what does the Father want? What is his answer to this situation? We find a similar thing with Daniel, and we're going to spend the rest of our uh, few minutes this morning looking at the way that Daniel prayed. So the context in the uh, book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, Jeremiah was a prophet, and he had a message from God for the people of Israel that they were going to be taken from Israel into exile in Babylon and that they would be there for 70 years. And then at the end of the 70 years, God would bring them back to their own nation. And so Daniel is studying uh, the scriptures, the prophecies. He's realized 70 years are up. So what's meant to happen now? Prophecy is usually dependent upon our response. And in this case, Daniel could have just said, Oh, great. Uh, 70 years are up, God's about to do something, I'll just sit back and have another coffee. But that wasn't what he needed to do. He needed to find out what's supposed to happen next. So he responded, Daniel 9, verse 3, I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. To hear God's voice, to be effective in prayer. There were a number of things that Daniel did. And the first thing was that his prayer was full of passion. Verse 3 again, I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. This really mattered to him. And so he pleaded with God. This is no mindless repetition of some kind of liturgy or set prayers. This is a passionate outpouring of uh, his heart before God. And he does what Jesus told us to do, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, when you pray, go into a room alone, close the door, pray to your Father in private. He knows what's done in private and he'll reward you. God likes it when we pray. And we, we pray in groups and we prayed before the service this morning. You're welcome to join us from half past nine to half past ten every week. But there are times when we need to get alone with God and really pour out our hearts before him. How important this is to Daniel is shown in the way that he fasts as well. Isaiah 58 tells us that fasting begins with us humbling ourselves before God. So again, fasting like prayer is not about us trying to twist God's arm and get what we want and to get the answers that we want. It's about humbling ourselves before God and saying, do in me what you need to do because I need to change. And what do you want to do in this particular situation as well? Talks about covering yourself in sackcloth and ashes. And in their culture, that was a sign of humbling yourself before God, getting as low as possible before Him, acknowledging our absolute dependence upon God. That as Jesus said, and we saw at the beginning, that we can do nothing 
of value unless we hear from God and keep in step with him. Daniel is passionate about his nation. He doesn't have the Western mindset that we have today where we consider ourselves very much an individual. He sees himself as part of the nation. And he was in exile. He was one of the people who'd been taken to exile. He actually had a very good job there. Uh, He was uh, one of the civil servants. He was a very uh, senior civil servant, but he was 500 miles away as the crow flies. And his nation is important to him. Um, The spiritual health, the physical well-being of his people cut him to the heart. And so he cries out to God. So often we get overloaded by the news, don't we? There's just story after story after story of, you know, muggings and beatings and natural disasters and famines and this and that and the other and it just washes over us and it doesn't touch our hearts and we so easily get compassion fatigue as well. But God is looking for people who care. People who will be passionate about the people he's put around us, the who will cry out to him in prayer, petition, and fasting for our nation. The spiritual, physical, and emotional well-being of our nation is not good because we've turned from God, just like the Israelites did. And we need to be restored, just like the Israelites needed restoration. So this week, I would like to invite you to join me in praying for our nation and uh, for our loved ones who are far from God. And to pray about the, the, some of the situations that we see around us. Uh, also to pray specifically for the Alpha course that's coming up and for those that God would like to have coming along onto it. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. But Daniel's prayer is full of passion because his heart is full of, of uh, passion and compassion towards the people around him. Second thing that Daniel did was to remember God's greatness. And so Daniel prays in the next verse, verse 4, our Lord, you are a great and awesome God, and you faithfully keep your agreement with those who love and obey you. And you know, we sing about that, don't we? Remembering who God is is always a good place to start. It helps to get everything back into perspective. Because we will face situations that we uh, can't solve. They're too big for us. It may seem impossible to us, but it's not impossible for God. For God, it's not a problem. And so we need to find out what his solution is. Starting a new business this summer has already had its ups and downs. And um, there's a lot to do on top of already having the job leading this church. But I'm learning. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm a slow learner, uh, but I need to take it to God to get his perspective on it. And there was one morning where I was, you know, I was a bit disappointed with the result we were getting and, you know, feeling, feeling overwhelmed by the whole process and all the things that had to be done. And I just, as I sat quietly before God, I just felt him say, this was my idea and I'm going to take care of it. It just, it just shifts the perspective. It doesn't take the problems away, but it helps me to remember that actually God is so much bigger and God can sort it out. So no matter how insurmountable 
the problems are that you face, God is able to help. No longer, no, no matter how long things have been in decline, God can step in. And, and that's true of our society, our loved ones, our relationships, our workplaces. They're not beyond God. They're not beyond his help. Israel had been taken into exile. And they'd been there for 70 years. They, you know, there, there was nothing left, really, of the nation. They, were just, they only left a few of the poor people in the land. And the rest of it was just overrun. Uh, all the farms overrun, buildings destroyed, businesses collapsed. The rest of them were taken as captives and spread throughout the vast Babylonian empire. After 70 years, the buildings, the cities would have completely fallen apart. Trees would have been growing through uh, the, their homes and their, the temple. and their, It just looked impossible. It was a, it was a mess. You know, how can you gather a scattered people who are scattered amongst uh, you know, a dozen or more different nations and pull them back together and get them back into a place where they've been driven away from? It's just impossible. I don't know whether you ever feel overwhelmed by your problems, whether it's the amount you have to do or maybe there are some long-term health needs there can be relationship issues, there can be financial issues, all sorts of different things that we feel overwhelmed by. And sometimes we just feel overwhelmed by our own weakness, our own brokenness, and uh, uh, we just need God's help, and God is the one to turn to. Remember how great God is. Let him give you the perspective back, because our God is a great God. Third thing, then, is to bring your needs, and that's what uh, Daniel did. Daniel quickly turned to the burning issue, the state of his people. Verse 5, we have sinned terribly by rebelling against you and rejecting your laws and teachings. We have ignored the message your servants, the prophets, spoke to our kings, our leaders, our ancestors, and to everyone else. We're all in this together. Nobody can point a finger. Nobody can say it was the... The prime minister's fault, it was the opposition leader's fault, it was business leader's fault, it was the church's fault. We're all in this together. And notice how Daniel responds. He repents on behalf of his nation. He says, we have sinned. Daniel was one of the most righteous, the most spiritual people that we read about in the Bible. He didn't need to repent of those things. He hadn't actually done them. But he saw himself as part of the nation, and so he repented on behalf of the nation. And we can do that for our family members, our city, our nation. We have sinned. So there's no pointing the finger. There's no them and us. And unfortunately, so often the church points the finger at those who do wrong. But Daniel identifies himself with the people who've done wrong. And he prays again in verse 7, Lord, you're in the right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, scattered near and far, wherever you've driven us because of our disloyalty to you. O oh Lord, we and our kings, princes and ancestors are covered with shame because we've sinned against you. But the Lord our God is a merciful and forgiving, even though we've rebelled against him. Daniel is real with God about the problem. So when we pray, we're not you know, trying to pretend the problem's not there. 
He's very real about the problem with God. He, but he also knows God's goodness. He knows that God's love for us is greater than anything else. And that God will help his people. And so he brought his needs before God. And then the fourth and last thing is that he listened for the answer. Now on this occasion, Daniel gets an answer really quickly. We're told in verse 20, I was still confessing my sins and those of all Israel to the Lord my God, and I was praying for the good of his holy mountain when Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, suddenly came flying in at the time of the evening sacrifice. Wouldn't that be fun? And this was the same Gabriel I'd seen in my vision, and he explained, Daniel, I'm here to help you understand the vision. God thinks highly of you. And at the very moment you started praying, I was sent to give you the answer. God thinks highly of you. If you've got your life right with God, then you are his child. He thinks highly of you. Now, we may not see an angel come in through the window or through the door or however it works to speak to us. But we do have the Holy Spirit inside us and God promises us that he will speak to us, he will guide us. But do we listen? We need to learn to filter out our emotions and also Satan's distractions, and that comes about by practice. So, for example, when we get a prophecy, we think God's spoken to us, uh, it's very rare for it to be 100% from God. More often, it's at the most 80% from God and 20% from us. And so often, it's the other way around. We get it so mixed up with our own stuff that it's 20% from God and 80% from us. But there's still something of what God's saying, and we need to be able to listen. And But then we test it. And uh, so we ask God to give us confirmation, and we take it to wise people, and we say, I think this is what God's saying. What do you think? You know, what, what do you sense God's saying? What, uh, what resonates on your heart, and what do you think doesn't fit? And we, we listen to godly people who are wise. But God wants to speak to all of us. So on that occasion, Daniel got a really quick answer. As it says there, as soon as you started to pray. Now, in the next chapter, Daniel has to wait a bit longer for the answer to his prayer. He again does exactly the same thing. He seeks God through prayer and fasting. But this time it takes three weeks for him to get the answer. But he doesn't give up because... He knows that this is important, and he knows that God will answer his prayer. In the story of Esther, they fasted both food and water because it was so urgent. On that occasion, the whole people of Israel, everybody of Jewish descent, was going to be killed in a couple of days' time. And uh, that's pretty drastic. And so you take the most drastic form of fasting, which is to go without water, which obviously you can only do for a couple of days. And uh, God heard their prayer and the nation was saved. John Wesley, you may have heard of him, uh, studied here in, uh, in Oxford at Christ Church. Uh, he used to fast twice a week, Tuesday and Friday. He would go without breakfast and lunch so that he had 24 hours twice a week without food. And it was part of his spiritual routine, part of his uh, practice, a spiritual exercise but it was also symbolic of his dependence upon God. Two Kings chapter 3, verse 27, just while we're thinking about fasting, we have a story here where 
the people of Israel are in a battle. They've, they've come against uh, another a city. And uh, we're told he took his firstborn son, this is the king, who was to succeed him as king, and he offered him as a sacrifice on the city wall. The fury against Israel was great, and they withdrew and returned to their own land. You see, fasting releases spiritual power. And on this occasion, he offered up his son as a sacrifice to his false gods. And uh, it says there, the fury against Israel was great. There was a spiritual response to his sacrifice. And uh, Israel was, was beaten back. There is a spiritual battle going on all around us that we need to be aware of. And so not only with fasting are we humbling ourselves before God, but it is an incredibly powerful tool in seeing God uh, coming and his power being released. So we press in to God to listen for the answer, and we use the spiritual tools that he's given us as well. So I want to invite you this week to join me in praying, fasting, and seeking God. And, uh, you know, the form of fasting that you take is entirely up to, you, up to you. You might want to fast from social media for a week. For some of you, that's a huge addiction, probably, that uh, you'll find very stressful. Um, the average millennial on a day off spends six hours on social media. It's not amazing. The average person in this country, touches their phone 2,000 times a day. The average millennial, it's twice that. So sometimes it's good to just detach ourselves from those things. It's, it's good for us and it's a form of fasting as well. Or you may want to fast your favorite food or fast the television or you know, maybe completely fast food or uh, just do what Wesley did so that you're eating in the evening. Uh, I find that if I fast for more than about 36 hours, I start to... Uh, my balance isn't quite there, and so it's not safe for me to drive or use my chainsaw or other things. Um, so, uh, you know, just do something that works for you. Chocolate? chocolate? Fasting chocolate? Goodness gracious. Is the world ending? <laughs> yeah, find something that you can fast. But, you know, when you fast things like chocolate, you can do it for more than 24 hours, hopefully. Uh, so I'd like to invite you to join me in doing that this week. Our country is facing a terrible situation. And we see that in so few people walking with God. Spiritual decline, the increase in morality. One of the churches that we uh, visited this week, you know, you've heard in the news of people being knifed in, uh, teenagers being knifed in London. Well, it was happening just around the corner from the church. Uh, young young teenage boys who had grown up in a Christian family, gone to church, got in with the wrong people, got involved in drugs, the drug deal went wrong, and so, because he owed money, they knifed him. We're facing a terrible situation. And prayer and fasting is the thing that will change it. We also want to bring before God our friends, our loved ones, who are far from him. And... Uh, with the Alpha course only nine days away, we need to pray for the encouraged to be able to invite our friends. And perhaps we need to ask for the passion that uh, Daniel felt, the desire to see them come to know Jesus. You know, the 
best thing that can happen to anybody, for them to connect with that incredible love the Father has for each one of us. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, good news for you is that people will be praying for you this week. Praying for God to bless you, not just for you to meet God, but praying for his blessing on your life and uh, that uh, you'll experience God's goodness. Without meaning to sound melodramatic, these next couple of months are going to be uh, very important for some people. They will have eternal consequences for some people uh, as they have the opportunity to find things out about God, to, to be part of that discussion and to decide whether or not they're going to get right with God. And uh, we have the opportunity to make sure that it's, uh, it's a good outcome for people. So pray passionately, remembering how great God is. Bring him every concern you have, and then listen. Listen for the answer. Good practice is uh, to take a few moments at the beginning of the day, even if it's literally just a minute or two minutes at the beginning of the day, uh, to ask God what he wants to do, what his priorities are. Write, write it down, and then build your day around what God has said. And uh, you can do that several times during the day. And once you get used to doing it, you'll find that you can tune into God so much more quickly than you did before. And you'll be able to hear what he's saying. And uh, you will increasingly, if you, if you practice that when you're on your own, then increasingly you, you'll find that when you're in uh, busy life, that you'll start to hear his voice a lot more as well. What we do in practice, we put into practice when we're... Uh, in the middle of life, just as we do with sport. You repeat those exercises again and again and again because that is what you repeat. So uh, the good news, we have a wonderful God. He's amazing. He loves us so much and he has so much of his blessing that he wants to pour out. And he has a wonderful plan for your life. He has a wonderful plan for the lives of your friends and family who you love. He has a wonderful plan for our city, our area, and our nation. And we have an opportunity to be involved in that by praying, by fasting, by seeking him, and then by doing what he calls us to do as well. So, let's stand together. <clears throat> Matt, could you get on the guitar again, please? So as Daniel prayed, our Lord, you are a great and awesome God. And you faithfully keep your agreement with those who love and obey you. And part of God's agreement with us is that if we come to him and we say sorry for the things that we've done wrong, he promises that he'll forgive us. And he'll take us out of darkness and put us into light. He'll take us out of the future that we're facing to be cut off from him from eternity and he brings us into his family that he covers us with his love and he gives us uh, a hope and a future. And many of us have done that. We've cried out to God and we've experienced his love and his goodness. And if you haven't done that and you'd like to do that, then this morning would be a great time to, uh, to get right with God. So I'm going to pray a prayer and if you'd like to get right with God, you can pray that uh, just silently between you and God. Uh, so you can say something like this.
Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I'm sorry that I've ignored you and asked that you'd forgive me, ask that you'd uh, restore me into a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to follow you. And uh, I really need your help. So please come into my life now. The Bible says that if we say those something like that, that God forgives us, and uh, he causes us to be born spiritually. And uh, one of the things we would love to do is to help you grow spiritually. So if you prayed that this morning, mention it to the person that you came with, or come and tell me, I would love to pray for you. I'd love to give you a, a Bible, modern translation of the Bible, so that you can read these stories for yourself and become convinced for yourself of just how incredible God is. So, Father, we thank you for your hand upon our lives. We thank you that even when we're not aware of you, that you're there, that you're for us, that you love us, that every thought that you have towards us is to bless us. We thank you that before we were created, that you were thinking about us and you had a plan for our lives, a plan that we would find fulfilling, enriching, exciting, even if it is a little scary at times on that roller coaster. But we want to embrace everything that you have for us. So in Jesus' name, I bless you. I bless you with the peace that comes from Jesus, a peace that the world cannot give. I bless you with the peace that is there in the storms of life. I bless you with an awareness, increased awareness of God's presence and his goodness towards you. I bless your finances. I bless your decision-making with your finances and with your uh, business decisions and your workplace and your study. I bless the insight that God has given you and the solutions that he has to the problems that you face. I bless you with an ability to be able to access the resources of heaven. And I bless you with the Father's love. A, fa- a love that is unconditional, that has nothing to do with whether we're good enough or not, that has nothing to do with how good or bad we've been this last week I bless you with the Father's love and an increased awareness of his passion towards you and his desire for you and the smile that he has when he thinks of you and the twinkle that's in his eye because God sings over you songs of love songs of deliverance, songs of healing songs of freedom so I bless you In Jesus' name.